Welcome to the Antlerless Podcast. Hunting for everyone. Hello and welcome to the Antlerless Podcast. This is episode, fuck, I don't know, it's like nine or ten or something. This is episode eight. This is episode nine. This is episode ten. This is episode 11. <laughs> We're just going to leave it in like that. You can fix it in post. You can make us look really smart. <laughs> okay. Uh, today we are going to talk about mountain lion hunting. Wait, don't hang up yet. Just listen. We're going to tra- talk first about... Hold on a second. If you're going to be this lit the whole show... I won't. I won't. You need to tone it down now because it's a lot. <laughs> well, I know So a lot of people get upset. You know, people seem like they're okay with deer hunting, elk hunting, that kind of thing. But the minute you say you're going to hunt a... Kitty cat. Meow. Yeah, or a predator of any sort. It's like all of a sudden people lose their biscuits. But we... They get really upset about it. We keep them as pets. We keep canines as pets. We keep felines as pets. Bears fall under... What's that term? Charismatic megafauna. Yes, God, I love that term. That's a good term. Everyone loves the charismatic me- megafauna until the charismatic megafauna comes and eats the dog in their yard. Also, everyone thinks possums are ugly and they eat like a thousand ticks. Possums are amazing. A minute or something. Yeah, possums are great. But we're here to talk about mountain lions and why I wanted to go mountain lion hunting this year. Um, first, we'll talk a little bit about, well, so I wanted to talk some... Someone got really upset. So I posted about mountain lion hunting on Instagram. Someone got really upset and said, literally, wow, Andrea, what the fuck? I saw the preview on my phone of that, and then I went to look, and the comment disappeared almost as quickly as it had been posted. Well, maybe they tripped, and their (laughs) penis typed that out on accident as they were falling (laughs) in in like through their pocket. Uh, It was a woman who posted it. I don't, well, and I don't think she has a penis. She um, might have meaty lips. <laughs> but so I just want to address that because I said I want to talk about why we need predator management along with wildlife management in general. And I took to Google Scholar. And if you've never used Google Scholar before, you've probably not been to grad school or had a PhD. And that's okay because what Google Scholar does is it searches peer-reviewed journal articles. And that's where you can learn about actual research that's been done using the scientific method that has been looked at by people in that field of study that read it and judge it and say, yes, this needs to be put out as part of the body of research or no, your methods suck and all of your information is bogus. And I went to read peer-reviewed articles about predator management and lion hunting in general. And what I found is that I am not qualified to make that kind of decision based on what I read. Like I can't say... So you did enough research to realize that you don't know enough to talk about it in a both succinct and truly correct or educational fashion. Yeah, like I, what I know comes straight from 
you know, CPW. It comes from other... Which is Colorado Parks yeah. and Wildlife. Colorado Parks and li- Wildlife. From, you know, just a basic, I don't know, hunting ethos of just, yeah, if we're going to take out some of the elk and the deer, we should probably take out some of the predators. Or we should take out some of the predators so there's more elk and deer for us to hunt. A lot of what's out there that says we don't need wildlife management... None of it takes into account. That is one thing that I saw. If it's if there's something out there that says, we don't need to harvest wild animals, they'll take care of themselves. That might be true. But none of those take into account the fact that there is a subset of people in the United States who want to hunt. And there's a lot of money to be made off of that by both private parties and the government. I mean, I'll admit that. That's a big part of wildlife management is saying, how many people can we charge to hunt here how much will they pay so that we can then take that money and pay people who work for the government we can reinvest some of it into wildlife conservation into preserving public land for things like that maintenance of fucking pit toilets i mean well and not even that but like when you look at the and i don't have any of the numbers handy but like when you look at the economic impact of a local hunter it doesn't really have much change on the town's overall income right because like if i live here and i'm hunting here i am i'm going to safeway or walmart or clip and save or whatever my local grocery store is no matter what you do see a huge influx of cash not just through the purchase of licenses and permits or hiring guides, but then there's these other trickle-downs of people that come here, they burn up a lot of gas, they need snacks, they need food, they need restaurants, they need lodging. They split their boots and they go to the local outfitter and buy boots because they're shitting in their pants. You know, they have to have boots right now. The The economic impact of especially non-resident hunters is enormous on local economies. Yeah. So I mean you're the hunters who come to your area, especially from out of state, but in state as well, because most licenses are sold in state and then there's a, a set of licenses sold out of to out of state non-resident people. Those small group of non-residents pay for so much wildlife related conservation funding in your area more than you if you're a non-hunter. More than you will, probably for a year, more than you will for a lifetime. So just kind of think about that next time you like, I don't know, get uncomfortable about hunters being in your area. Yes, there are in all hobbies, in all groups of people, there are assholes who do the wrong thing. But for the most part, they're people who care about the outdoors and they just want to go out and get some food out of the wild, out of the woods. And that's exactly what I was looking to do one of the reasons why I wanted to go mountain lion hunting I've had a pretty uh other than some squirrels and marmots I've had a very dry hunting season this year and some mountain chickens what are those oh yeah grouse mountain chickens they are mountain chickens uh yeah so I've had a pretty dry hunting season this year caught some fish yeah I did catch some fish in the summer I'm gonna do that again this summer and so I wanted another just chance to hunt because even if And this is for all of you, especially if you're a beginner or if you've never hunted. When you start hunting, you're going to suck. Everyone sucks when they start out. There's a meme out on the internet that circulates that says, sucking at something is the first step at being kind of good at something. And 
The more you go out and hunt, no matter what you're hunting, it doesn't matter if it's squirrels or rabbits, elk, moose, mountain lions, whatever. The more you go out in the woods and you hunt and you're around animals and you watch their behavior and you look at their patterns and you are just out there, the better you're going to be. So it's just another opportunity for me to go out and practice hunting. And most importantly, I'm scared fucking shitless of mountain lions, or I was, to the point of where it has interrupted my outdoor activities in the past, to where I've avoided doing things at night, to where when I do things at night, I do silly shit like the one time I was preparing for Vapor Trail um, a few years ago and I needed to do a shakedown ride of my lights. As I was riding in the dark, I was singing Dolly Parton's Jolene at the top of my lungs to scare away mountain lions. So I was really scared of mountain lions and it was disruptive. And going out and hunting mountain lions was a way for me to kind of go from fearing them to more just having a healthy respect of them because I got to learn the type of areas where they are, the type of areas where they aren't, how they were. Where did mountain lions at? Yeah, like just getting to know them better in general so that I'm just less scared of them. And I can say now I am less scared of mountain lions than I was when I started. So I consider that... To be like on a scale of one to ten, with five being the most afraid of mountain lions, <laughs> how afraid of mountain lions are you now? Like a seven. Okay. <laughs> I don't know which side is. I th- no, I think we just. I think. I think you just explained how the scale of one to ten, with five being the worst, works. Because <laughs> from one to five, like at, at a one, you're ignorant. Right. Yeah, like you would just, you'd like tie stakes to your body and walk around in the woods at night or lay down on the ground in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, it's like, cool, this is what I do for health. A three, you're I'm like. doing a nighttime steak detox. <laughs> a three, you're like just throwing rocks at it and like jokingly making like the noise. And then like a seven, you're like, I mean, I'm going to shit in my pants, but then I'm going to look really big to scare it away if I encounter one. So, 10 would be like, I'm going to hunt mountain lions with a knife. (laughs) I've thought about it. I don't think I could get close enough to a mountain lion without it. Like, I'm not big enough to do that, I don't think. I I don't think anyone is. I don't know. There's some people out there. Rory from uh, Trailmater in Moab. When that man went to climb up a tree to get in there, the whole fucking tree would fall over. (laughs) So... That was also a big reason of me wanting to hunt mountain lions. I needed just more hunting practice because I'm not that good at it. And I wanted to be less afraid of mountain lions. And that's really like it. That's kind of how it went. So I started out and most people hunt mountain lions with hounds. And that's a big sticking point. That's a huge sticking point for some people. People hate to see humans using hounds to hunt anything really. They don't like it because they feel like it's an unfair advantage to be able to do that. Like it's, I mean, you could see. The, My God, these people are going to get really pissed off when they found out how fast a 270 round travels. <laughs> well, and people, if you look at any outfitter that is 
putting up pictures on Instagram or something about hunting with hounds and they have little video clips or anything where a hound has treed a mountain lion. There are literally people on there who say, I hope that mountain lion kills your dogs. I hope that it kills your dogs and then it comes and kills you. I mean, people get really, really just, I don't know, unproductively angry about that. And hunting mountain lions is really fucking hard. And people using hounds to do it, they still have a pretty low rate of success. And the reason why you see people who are like holding a cat and have hounds around them and stuff is because people only post when when good shit happens. You know, nine times out of ten, the dogs either don't find a track or they tree a lion and it's not, um, in some places you don't want to, it's kind of discouraged to kill female mountain lions. Sometimes they tree a female mountain lion and they, they grab the dogs and the lion jumps out of the tree and it runs off. So it's not always a guaranteed success just because you have dogs. It's more of like, it goes from like a 1% success rate to like a 10% success rate. You know, it's still a very low odds hunt. And I don't think people realize that. They're just bringing the odds up from next to nothing to maybe we'll get one. I mean, they're fast. So what people do is they let hounds loose on a fresh track and hopefully they can run fast enough. A lion has a very small set of lungs for the size of its body so it can't run full speed very far and it will run and then it's more like a rabbit like it can go very fast for a burst it's like a sprinter it's a usain bolt not (laughs) a um not a courtney dewalter oh gosh yeah i was going with jim walmsley and i couldn't think of the guy's name i was just like picturing him running in what's left of a t-shirt with sponsor names on it yeah exactly so yeah i mean hounds help but it's still a very low odds hunt but my strategy, I don't have hounds. I have a dog who would chase deer and who is terrified of gunfire, so he's not suitable for mountain lion hunting, even though he's got a great he's nose. Useless. Well, he's got a great nose. I think there might be like a leash situation that might work out for him, but he would still literally shit uncontrollably at the sound of a gunshot. So probably not. <laughs> so yeah, my... you would have to like tree the mountain lion. And then, like, sedate the dog. Yeah. And shoot the mountain lion. Give the dog some ketamine or something. Yeah, put him in the (laughs) K-hole. So, my strategy was to use a predator call, which, in my case, I can make the sound of a fawn in distress. It sounds a lot like a baby goat. We do not need a sample of that. So... That's the call that I use. It, it's basically, if you you can listen to it on YouTube, but it's very similar to what a, a, a small goat sounds like. What do you know? Another small ungulate sounds like a small ungulate. They all make the same noise. So I can make that noise. And that's what I did the first few hunts that I went on. I would go out in the woods where I'd seen lion sign in the past. I just found out spring squirrel season is open when I'm going to be back in Tennessee. Wonderful. So I'm going to shoot some like cat-sized squirrels. <laughs> but I didn't really, I don't know, quote-unquote hunt for mountain lions. I just kind of went to places where I knew I'd seen mountain lion sign in the past, either, you know, a, a area with a lot of deer parts or tracks or whatever, and just kind of sit with my back up against rocks or a big tree or something and make the the fawn in distress noise. I actually did fool deer a couple of times. 
a head deer. And is that like the equivalent though of like an elk hunter calling at another elk hunter? <laughs> I guess yeah. It was good enough to convince the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. So, and I just want to let you all know if you're saying, "Oh, I'm going to try this fawn in distress to call in deer next time I'm deer hunting," I just want to warn you that deer do not come to that call in a way that you want them to because what they'll do is they try to first get they want heavy cover and they want to be downwind of you so unless you're in a very open area where the deer can't get cover uh, when they're in range of whatever weapon you're using you will not be successful because the the number one thing they want to do is wind is, is figure out what is making the fawn in distress and if they smell something they don't like they're going to let whatever that is just have that fawn. They're like, oh, I smell that. I don't want whatever that is to eat me along with that baby. So we're just going to run away. Yeah, it's like, is there a mountain lion or like one of those or weird is it just stuck in a hole? two-legged pale things over there? Or is there yeah. one, yeah, like fell is in the it, creek? Yeah, it did it fall out. in the creek and it's like it just needs some help. Is it just lost? Like in that case, they would... You know, they're going to check it out, and then if they don't smell anything or see anything that scares them, they're going to go, you know, help the fawn. But if anything at all is something they don't want to mess with, they will run away. So just to let you know, don't, I, I wouldn't use that in every hunting situation for sure, but they will respond to it. And I was largely unsuccessful with that. And during that time that I was kind of trying to sit and make distress noises. I was doing a little bit more research of people who were using uh, that type of call to call in any kind of predator, whether it's coyote or mountain lion or bear. And what I learned was that you really have to be in their area. So you need to find out first where the lion is. You need to find some kind of fresh tracks. You need to kind of pattern it and then get in its area and do a distress call. Yeah, so I learned that I needed to be closer to the actual mountain lion and, and know that there was one there before I started sitting and calling. And also what happened at that time was the unit where I was hunting closed. So lion hunting in Colorado is very strictly regulated to, you'll have a set of game units, maybe like two to four game units, so a very large area. And they'll say, we only want 10 lions taken out of this area. And if you kill one, you have to report it and you have to take it in for inspection so they can see how old it was and if it was male or female. And they will make next year's quotas based on what comes out this year. So if it was 10 female mountain lions, then next year the quota is going to be lower because there are fewer females. So I had to change units and I had to change how I was hunting. And so I went out into a different area that's on the other side of Salida from where I am. And the first time I was out there, I found some tracks. And this is actually in the first Mountain Lion YouTube video that, that I put up. I found these tracks. They were kind of on the small side. Were they fresh tracks with Randy Newberg? <laughs> they, were, they were actually some of the freshest tracks I saw the whole time, which was very frustrating once I learned that it was likely just a small mountain lion. It was not a big mountain lion. It was probably a juvenile or um, like a smaller um, adult like a yearling female. Yeah, female. yeah, yeah. Um, because the, there's some overlap with like a lynx 
but a lynx when it walks on snow will not sink in as much as a mountain lion. So, and these tracks So the lynx no sinks. Exactly. So I didn't follow the tracks and I went home and I looked and I'm like, fuck, those were mountain lion tracks. Those were not, I thought they were bobcat tracks, which a bobcat track is about two inches wide and a mountain lion track is three. And yeah, these were definitely small mountain lion tracks. And I went back out and I found more tracks and the track was a little bit, maybe like, I don't know, 12 hours old or so based on the snow conditions and whatnot. And I followed them until more snow came in and started covering up the tracks. And I was a very long way. It was afternoon. I was a long way from the truck. So I just kind of had to like call my chase off. And this is all on YouTube. Um, So I had to uh, bail on that. Went out to the same area a couple of other times. Didn't find anything. Went out to the same area um, another time. Started in a different place. Went up a different drainage. Found tracks of a tom. And I know it was a tom because the tracks were gigantic. They were huge. I almost didn't want to follow them because it was a large animal. See, I got a check in and a savings and it's, it's not set up like that. And see, I got to I gotta move my money and it just, it, it just ain't, it, I just ain't got it like that. So. Got to stay in my lane. <laughs> I still followed it because I have a need for doing dangerous things. That's that's really the only way I can explain it. Like I just I I have this very I don't know primal need to do things that are just more dangerous than what I should probably do. So I followed these tracks. Unfortunately, being a cat and not liking to get its feet wet, this mountain lion any time it was going up a south facing slope, it would avoid. It would stay in open. Like the south facing slopes out there were all melted off. So it would do most of its traveling in melted off areas and it got really, really hard to follow. And I eventually just lost the track. So I had to just wait until, and that's where, you know, definitely like a hound in that situation can use its nose and follow that track. So, you know, that's definitely a situation where a hound is a a good thing to have or just a tracking dog on a leash even. So I knew I was in the area. I didn't sit and call. Because at some point in my process, I decided that I wanted to tree a mountain lion myself. Or chase one down myself. I am not as intimidating to a mountain lion. I realize I am not as intimidating to a mountain lion as a pack of 50 to 100 pound dogs that are barking and making a lot of noise. I realize that. I realize what I'm saying is um, impossible for a lot of people. Just from a fitness standpoint. But I happen to have a lot of fitness, so I can move through. And the snow out there is anywhere from like ankle to knee deep. So not incredibly difficult, but still very taxing. I can move pretty fast through that stuff, like almost running pace if it's decent, you know, ankle deep snow. So I decided somewhere along the line I didn't want to do the sitting thing because I just, I don't like sitting. I get bored. So I want to chase down a mountain lion on foot. And I, you know, I looked on the internet for people that have done this and I found like two articles. One was like some guy in Montana and another guy was just, I think, out hunting and accidentally treed a lion or something like that. So it's very rare, but I'm reasonably certain that I have the ability to do this. And the last hunt that I went on almost confirmed it because I went 
to the same area where I'd seen the tom tracks. I waited till it snowed more because I didn't want to lose the tracks on bare ground. And I found the small mountain lion tracks, so exactly the same tracks in the same area. And they were extremely fresh. And I just went all out following these tracks. And this is in the second YouTube video that I put up about lion hunting. I just went as fast as I could. And there's this little inholding of private property in the public land where I was hunting. And the lion went into that. And so I circled it. And as I'm getting back, and there's a public road through the middle of this private property. I kind of cut around one side, went up the road, and then came down the property line back to, to meet where I had been just looking for the track, you know, going through that private property. And as I'm almost back to where I had started this loop, I hear from about the place where the road is, I hear hounds. And what I figured out later was someone drove down that road with their hounds either in the back of the truck or next to the truck. It looked like there were a lot of hound prints on the road. So, um, you know, someone drove down the road. I think what happened was the lion heard those hounds and it went back out the way that it came in and I literally was walking along and I found these tracks that were even fresher than the ones I'd been following and they crossed our previous tracks almost immediately and it had not been there so in the space of about half an hour to an hour that it took me to make that loop this lion came out and crossed tracks where it already been and when I got on that track it very suddenly started to be erratic and lions take these very straight line to swooping turn kind of paths through the woods most of the time and all of a sudden it was making sharp turns and it was doing an out and back on this ridge and I'm following it and I'm on this ridge on the next ridge over I can hear birds going absolutely apeshit and I think the lion was on the next ridge because when I got to that it was running so from where I where it did this really weird erratic pattern to the next ridge line, it it stopped doing that weird pattern and it started running. Like the stride got really, really big and it stayed like that until it crossed our path from hours earlier. So it went right back to where I had originally picked this track up and it went over into the next valley. And at that point it was too late in the day to keep following it. So I got real close and I actually talked to someone, just a an outfitter that I found on Instagram that showed a lot of lion hunting. I'm like, hey, when they do this, what does that mean? He's like, yeah, you were close to it when, you know, they'll take evasive measures when you get close to them. You know, they'll start doing weird turns. They'll cut back on their old trail. And that's exactly what it did. So I was close. I just... I couldn't keep following it. You know, I wanted to keep following it, but it just wasn't um, wasn't in the cards for the day. And that same day, the, the season closed for that unit. So the quota filled. So someone else got a mountain lion that wasn't me. But that was, uh, it was exciting. It was really cool. And I'm, I'm kind of hooked on it now, and I can't wait until next year. All right, Tim. <laughs> I'm just here for moral support. Like I, I don't know what I don't I don't I don't know what to do with my hands or my mouth parts. <laughs> what is it? So what is it like from your standpoint when I'm saying I want to go chase a mountain lion? Like I want to go chase this animal that could turn around and kill me. Oh, it's fucking stupid. It's just absolutely <laughs> stupid. I mean, there's no reason in arguing with you about it. Like you're just the most stubborn ass. 
second <laughs> only to your father. So <laughs> there's no reason for me. Like I can either let you go or let you go. I can either just like say, yeah, go do it, whatever. Or I could like make you really pissed off and then you'd still go do it. So like <laughs> one way you come back home and you're like, yay, I'm alive. I want to hug your neck. The other way you'd come back home and be like, you're a fucking dickhead. I wish the lion had ate me. <laughs> so I mean, what I, the, I'm not going to deny what you just said. I, I wouldn't let you. I would, this would, this could become a two-hour show of me arguing with you if you tried to say that wouldn't be the case. So, <laughs> I mean, there's there's no reason. If you've never met Andrea, there's no reason. Just listen to episode zero of this podcast if you want to know more about how my brain works. Or doesn't. <laughs> or doesn't work. Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, it's really annoying when you're like, hey, I found some good tracks. And then it's like, Five hours later. Well, I turned my, the last two times I was out, I turned my GPS tracker on so you could watch me and I wouldn't have to like text back. You didn't give me a link to that. You didn't communicate that to me. I I told you I was going to put, turn the tracker on. See, (laughs) see, I just now learned that it was my responsibility as the person working and trying to like focus on my career (laughs) To have another tab open to see that your dot's still moving, which means that you're not dead. Yeah, exactly. If you could see the shit-eating grin on her face right now. I feel like I did my due diligence by carrying a GPS tracker that was tracking my movements. And if you knew the amount of effort it took for me to get Andrea to carry an inReach, she hates it. She acts like herpes and the plague are going to jump out all at once, wrapped up in the ephemeral form of like Barbara Streisand with a megaphone. She acts like carrying the inReach is that bad. You know, it's kind of grown on me a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it just kind of sucks. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's really weird. And then, you know, Andrea, as much of a bicycle mechanic she is, she, this is just to poke fun at, you know, Andrea, big, bad mountain lion hunter that's blown out another pair of shoes fine. Like already. Yeah. I got to get some hunting boots. Turns out if you want to go hike around like a fucking caveman, you can't wear run shoe XL on steroids and it hold up. They just don't take egregious side hilling yeah yeah i i have to get a boot that does not have eva foam uh just to plug another podcast if you like gear stuff meat eater is doing this gear talk podcast now it's uh Giannis butellas and jordan bud yeah they do a great job of it uh i think you can listen to andrew's talking about boots you can listen to one where they tell you how um uh choosing hunting boots they but they do a different one talking about Shit, sky wet, not get through your clothes, uh, rain jackets and stuff, how those work. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, it's a really good podcast. I, I learned a lot about hunting boots and what you should look for and whatnot. And I'm, I'm going to end up spending a fuck ton of money on a pair of boots. No, you're not. But it's going to be a pair of boots that is resolable and it's just going to last a lot longer because they're not made out of foam and super lightweight synthetic material. Yeah, so it's not that Mesh. they're not going to cost more per use. And that's something that they bring up in that show is you got to look at stuff per use. And 
it's it's not going to be too much more because you're just blowing through those cheap. I mean, and those aren't cheap. They're, you know, 120, 130 dollars, I think. Or maybe mm-hmm. it's 150 for the ones I have because they have a They're they're, they're going to come liner. in closer to 200 when you're not getting your discount. All right, that's true. So, local run store takes really good care of Andrea, but the shoe's just not made for the task. Right. This um, is for like hiking. I mean, you I would if I was going to through hike something, I would have a pair of these, a newer pair, but I would definitely. They're super nice. They're Topo Athletics. Oh, whatever. I don't remember what the boots called. Just put a link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. But they're a really comfortable and nice hiking boot, but yeah, just not up to the task of really rugged, off-trail, side hill, in knee-deep snow type of activity for very long. I was going on a tangent, or I got on a tangent when I started talking about your shoes, and I forgot what it was. Oh, as much of a mechanic as Andrea is, she doesn't like working on her guns. <laughs> and well, you showed me how to do it, so now I I feel much more comfortable about it. But we took like half the forest out of that Benelli shotgun after this. <laughs> it was something. I'm going to that's going to be the picture for this uh for this episode. Is that little pile of that roughage? Pile of roughage inside my gun. Yeah. I you know when you're moving that fast and you're just off trail like you just kind of bust through stuff and crawl under stuff and yeah, like trees stick their little fingers up inside your gun and as you bust through it it just rips it off and that little fingers stay inside your gun is that where we end it little fingers inside (laughs) your gun maybe yeah we'll talk about hunt applications next time you don't want to talk about that i'm gonna have to do that episode by myself i'm out i (laughs) i do not care about list a versus list b and how many preference points and creep and preferential preference points and special governor's tags and <laughs> over-the-counter versus DIY dirt nap dealer versus <laughs> guided versus landowner. Jesus, fuck. I don't care. So I just if I have any listeners out of all, I don't know, 40 of you who want to talk about your hunt plans for next season, doesn't have to be, but ideally... You know, someone who identifies as female or someone who's just not like the normal white dude hunter. Not that there's anything wrong with y'all. I just want to amplify other not stale pale male voices. So if you're in that category and you want to talk about your 2023 hunt plans, hit me up. You can email me, andrea at justridingalongshow.com or you can use the contact form on the Just Riding Along Show website. And we'll talk, uh, yeah, we'll talk plans and tags and shit. And whatever, whatever you want to talk about, let's talk. But save uh, me. I don't want to be that person. (laughs) Like Andrea literally, like we had an argument once because I was like, I just don't get it. She's like, well, I thought you would have looked into it. And I'm like, it's 76 rows of spreadsheets with columns. (laughs) Sorry, I don't. The only spreadsheets that I know how to look at. I don't have 60 hours to learn how to read that in the fucking CPW 2023 big game booklet like I just don't (laughs) okay well I really appreciate everyone who's listening like I said if you want to talk future hunt planning on an episode just hit me up through one of our any social or website contact and we will talk to you next time good night bye thank you all for listening to this episode 
If you'd like to see more Just Riding Along outdoor media content, you can find us at JustWritingAlongShow.com, Just Riding Along Outdoor Media on Instagram, or you can join our Patreon at Patreon.com slash Just Riding Along. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. 